This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. I'm your host, Stephanie Muscat, social worker and licensed therapist. Please note that this podcast is not the act of psychotherapy. So today I wanted to talk about a topic that I think a lot of people can relate to. And also it's a topic that although it is highly relatable, a lot of people wonder if this is normal. And what I am asked a lot of the time by my clients is, is it normal to feel so overwhelmed with responsibilities of being a caregiver? And the answer is absolutely yes. It is completely normal. There are so many things going on in your daily life as a caregiver. You may have your normal daily responsibilities, whether that be work, taking care of children yourself you might have to go out and run daily errands such as grocery shopping fixing up your home your daily life is already full of comings and goings and i think in our society these days everything is so fast-paced as it is we're always expected to be quote unquote on we are on our phones all the time we're constantly answering messages wherever we're going we're checking emails which is very different from what it was in the past where you had a home phone you didn't have a cell phone you went to run your errands but that time was kind of peaceful so on top of everything else in our daily lives without being a caregiver we are always on and then we run the extra responsibilities involved with being a caregiver. And speaking about being always on, if our loved one is trying to contact us, they may be able to access us regardless of where we are, no matter what time of day on our phones. Or if they're in a facility, you may be getting calls from that facility at different times of the day on your phone or family members or friends who are concerned might be reaching out to you to ask you questions or to speak to you. You can't really compartmentalize it these days unless you really make an active effort to separate your daily life from your caregiving. And that is a really, really hard thing to do. So If you are not doing that and you're always on, you are not alone. Most people are doing that. There's also this added weight of anxiety and stress of, is my loved one okay? Regardless of whether they're with somebody else or again in a facility or even living on their own, depending on what their progression is, depending on what their status is, There is still so much anxiety involved and if you do leave your phone at home, you might be going out and worrying about that person the entire time. Are they okay? Did they fall down? Do they need me? Does the person that's with them need me? Is there a crisis? These are all things that we carry around with us. So 
With all of that together, absolutely it is normal to be overwhelmed. Now, the truth is that if we don't take some steps and if we don't try to deal with those feelings, they're never really going to go away. In fact, likely, if you are feeling overwhelmed, it's going to build up more and more over time. And if we aren't really dealing with the issue, then what happens is we often bury the issue and we kind of try to push it aside. But it only grows larger and kind of erupts like a volcano. And if we're not careful, we can hit our edge and our peak and the volcano can erupt. And that doesn't look so great, especially when it comes to overwhelm and stress. It can lead to extreme burnout. It can lead to anxiety and depression. And I'm talking about more severe clinical anxiety and depression and other mental health issues, physical issues. It can lead to a whole variety of things. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you and, you know, some stress here and there and some extreme feelings of overwhelm here and there are okay. I mean, we all experience it regardless of whether we're a caregiver or not. That's a normal part of life. But I'm talking about chronic, daily, extreme overwhelm for a very long time. That is not great for us. And it also impedes in our ability to function day to day as an individual. Again, whether that's working at our daily job or it's caring for children, we really aren't going to be able to do what we could normally do if we are extremely overwhelmed and stressed and dealing with everything on the side. Now, this is not a perfect world. There is always going to be some factors that come in that will add to our stress. You can't get rid of it, and that's just a normal part of it. But there are different things we can do to manage it. And I'm just going to give an example of myself early on in my caregiving experience because I just want to illustrate what extreme overwhelm can look like regardless of your age and regardless of your responsibilities. So I've mentioned this before, but I was a primary caregiver for my mom when I was 19 or 20 years old. I was away at university, so my university was around an hour and a half to two hour drive, depending on traffic, from my house. And my mom was suddenly unwell, and I was the only one that was managing her care. So I was starting to come back and forth from my university to home. I was in my third year of university, so my grades were actually quite important. They're important the entire time, but this was the time where my graduate schools were really going to be looking at the last two years of my undergraduate degree. And I was doing an undergraduate degree in life sciences, so I wanted an honors degree in life sciences, and I wanted to get into the master's degree that I had dreamed of. So I was working very hard in school and I was in a relationship at the time with the person who is now my husband and I was trying to balance friends as well. But 
when all of the responsibilities of caring for my mom came in and this was really when we didn't know what exactly was wrong with her there was a lot of uncertainty i didn't know what was going on i was getting calls from her and other family members who didn't know what to do who were telling me that i needed to help my mom And it was a lot. And these were happening all day long while I was trying to study and complete my degree. I would get calls. I remember I would be in the library at school and I would be studying for major, major exams, like four hour long exams. And I would get, I don't know, 10 calls in an hour. So what I started doing was turning off my phone, but then I was really overwhelmed with these thoughts of they need me there's nobody else to be there for them what if something happens I couldn't focus on my studying I was crying all the time because I think my you know I just I didn't know how to cope and let me just say crying is a very very good way of managing emotions because it's actually expressing the emotion it's cleansing your system it's getting the emotion out I always always will suggest that if somebody is crying and they're embarrassed or they don't like it it's actually very good as long as it's not debilitating in daily life because that can be signs of a severe mental health issue but if you are crying from here to there and you are still able to function daily I do feel like it's very cleansing so I was crying all the time I had mentioned this before but nobody around me could understand and I was coming home at least once a week on the bus to be with my mom because we didn't know what was going on And I didn't really have any support for myself. So my father was working at the time. He didn't really see what was going on and he couldn't really assist, nor was he in a place mentally where he was at acceptance of anything. So he wasn't helping me out. He didn't think anything was wrong. My grandmother at the time was actually really worried about my mom. So she would be calling me and asking me to help with things because she was overwhelmed. And as I've said, no one really understood me. So at that point, I had retreated into myself because I thought, okay, well, people don't get it. I'm getting constant comments that all I do is talk about my mom. People clearly don't understand me, so I'm just not going to talk about it. So my uh, husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was extremely supportive, but there wasn't, you know, so much he could do. He was just very understanding of the fact that, you know, I couldn't go out all the time and I was kind of a mess. I had to contact some of my professors to tell them that I just could not meet some of the deadlines they were asking because I was just so distraught. I was having trouble sleeping. I was just not great. So what did I do at the time? Well, this extreme overwhelm and stress went on for a very long time. I'm going to say a year I was sitting with this over a year and I went into my fourth year of university and I was doing a thesis, which was in a science lab because I did my undergraduate degree in neuroscience and life science. So I was in a science lab and I remember being in this lab trying to work on my project and getting constant calls still. And so what I decided to do was I decided to see a counselor 
at my school. It was really hard to get in. There was a huge wait list, which is a big problem, especially when you're trying to get free supports. There was a big wait list, but I'd finally gotten into someone and she said the most powerful thing to me that I think I'd ever heard, and I didn't think it would be possible for me to do what she was telling me, but I knew I had to. And she said, you need to create boundaries. Boundaries were what was really going to help with my feelings of overwhelm. And I said to her, I can't create boundaries. You know, my mom needs me. My grandmother needs me. There's nobody else. And she said, you know, your mom might not be well. Your grandma's an adult. She was still okay at the time. Your father is an adult. He can step in. You have to take care of yourself first. You have to set boundaries. And when it's okay for you to manage this, when you are at a place that you can manage this, then you can be on. And I didn't know how that was going to be possible, but I knew I was at a horrible place in my life. And I knew that I was at risk of not doing well in my undergrad and not succeeding. And I knew that my mother and my grandmother in their hearts would want nothing more than for me to be successful. That was all they wanted to see me succeed and do what I wanted to do in life. And so I remember the first steps were so hard. I had to tell my grandmother, because my mom wasn't really understanding at this point, I had to tell my grandmother that I was turning my phone off and I would turn it on and then I would call her. And I had to tell her I'm, you know, 20 years old. I'm trying to work on my degree. It is impossible for me to do all of this by myself unless I take a leave from school. Nobody wanted me to do that. I'm coming home once or twice a week. I can't pull myself in all of these directions. I had also at this point gotten some help for my mom because we thought she had a bipolar disorder. We didn't know she had dementia at the time because it's so hard to diagnose, especially frontotemporal dementia. And I just said, you know, I'm, I've done so much at this point. It's been over a year. I can't. And that, those were the hardest words I had to say. And I remember those first few times I turned my phone off, I felt horrible. I was ridden with guilt. I was so worried about my family. I thought if I turned my phone off, something horrible was going to happen. But then with the help of my counselor, I realized, what are these phone calls even doing? I'm picking up the phone. They're kind of just calling me to say, I don't know what to do. I was just getting more stressed. There wasn't anything I was doing. I was just listening to them. And then I'd hang up the phone and I would be stressed. It's not like I was actually, you know, going and taking someone to the hospital. That It wasn't that type of crisis. It was just the daily emotions and kind of being that sounding board for everybody. And I couldn't do it anymore. And so I realized pretty quickly that there was nothing coming from these phone calls. I was just an anxiety sounding board and I was kind of helpless in a lot of ways and that was really hard for me to accept because there was kind of a sense of control when I could answer the phone and I had to let go of that control but I also realized I couldn't do everything. It was impossible. So my grandmother was not so understanding because she said, you know, your family, I need you. She didn't have anybody else to talk to. But she did realize that I was in school and 
you know, I was doing the best I could. My mom didn't really understand because she wasn't well. She started sending me all of these horrendous emails. Again, she wasn't aware of what she was really doing fully. So I had to kind of field these emails and let them go because I knew she wasn't well. And when I would call my father and tell him how stressed I was, he would really just hit a brick wall and say, nothing's wrong. I don't know what's going on. It was a very long time for him to accept my mom's diagnosis and accept that something was going on. So after setting boundaries, I actually started feeling better. And I think there was a shift. People started realizing, okay, Stephanie's not going to do all of these things. I think I had created an expectation for myself that I was always going to be on, which is impossible. And magically, my feelings of anxiety and guilt started to slowly go away when I saw that nothing was coming from those calls to begin with and that everything was all right. Oh, it's so uncomfortable to go through those beginning stages. And I had support through this by the counselor, so I wasn't doing it alone. And my boyfriend at the time was really great at helping me through that. And then I would still come home once a week, do what I could, but I started carving a new role in terms of where my boundaries lie and where I was going to sit in all of that. So that is what had helped me. And I just am saying this to illustrate what a long journey it was to get there. There were so many other boundaries to pave and so many other things that happened over the years. And this is a long process, but it is so normal to feel overwhelmed. And I think if we don't take those first steps to shift something and to change something, it's really never going to change. We can't expect that something outside of ourselves is going to change and that everything's going to be better if we continue to not set some sort of boundary. Realistically, we can't set all the boundaries in the world, but we can set some boundaries. And those even one or two little things can help dramatically. So that is what had helped me. And yes, so normal to feel overwhelmed. The first step is to identify what is making you overwhelmed and how you can start to work on that. So I hope that me sharing that story really was helpful. And I really hope that starting to kind of think about what's going on inside can elicit some thoughts and maybe some action items. It can also be helpful to write out what you think might be the barriers or what might be leading to your overwhelm and then like a little web of, okay, what can be the solution to this? Knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, creating like, for example, if you write a line and say, answering the phone all the time is leading to overwhelm, you can write some lines out from that word and you could say okay the solution to this might be turn my phone off for an hour at lunchtime or communicate with my loved ones that I'm not going to be available at this time so that the pressure is off of you or just 
recognizing that if you get a call, you're not going to answer it every single time. Or if there's a real emergency, communicating what the procedure is going to be for that. So if there's, you know, someone is really ill or someone has to go to the hospital, is there going to be a special procedure where someone calls you over and over again? Or is someone going to text you? Is What's going to be the result of that so that you know, okay, this isn't a real emergency versus this is. So I hope that makes sense in terms of the web. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an accompanying blog post just to show on a piece of paper what that could look like as a start to uncovering and disseminating what's going on in the overwhelm. And then again, seeking support to help you through uncovering and managing the daily life and the daily overwhelm. So that's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you in the next one. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Caregiver's Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Please note that I'm currently booking discovery calls on my website for one-on-one private therapy sessions. If you are interested, please check it out at compassionandcaregiving.com. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.